Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So, so y'all got to give me a minute. Sorry, anytime you see one of those, you have to do that at least once, right? So, so I grew up in the era of great fights. It, uh, boxing had the corner on the market in the, in the fight arena. Uh, there was no MMA. There was no, oh, that hurt, UFC. There was no Bellator. Uh, boxing reigned supreme. And so this led to some really great spectacles uh, of fights and some huge matches, and there were some great fighters. But not only were there great fighters, uh, there was some great marketing that went along with the great fights and great fighters, right? So that led to some matches that had some really cool marketing uh, lead up to them. For instance, some of y'all are old enough to remember that on October the 1st, 1975, there was this fight called the Thriller in Manila. It was Muhammad Ali against Joe Frazier. If you're too young to know about that fight, shame on you. You were born too late. Um, then, then we had um, in October, on October the 30th, 1974, we had the rumble in the jungle. We had Muhammad Ali and we had uh, George Foreman. Then, then we moved to June the 20th, 1980, Robert Duran against Sugar Ray Leonard, the brawl in Montreal. Can I get a witness this morning? All right. That, that'll make you want to preach right there. Great fights, great spectacles, these, these huge moments, unforgettable moments in the fight history that we grew up with. And we would gather around uh, the TV. It was this big, large, square object that you had to get up and change one of the three channels that you received. And we would gather and we'd watch these warriors duke it out to, de to decide who was the world champion. But way before, long before, uh, guys like Jack Dempsey and uh, Evander the Real Deal Holyfield and my, one of my favorites, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and long before Iron Mike Tyson and Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao and, and, and before Floyd Money Mayweather or Tyson the Gypsy King Fury, there was an undisputed champion crowned. Um, the, he was the champ. He is the champion of the universe. Uh, but this challenger decided to show up, and he descended from the heavenlies. The Bible says it like this: He fell like lightning. His problem was that he had uh, inaccurately assessed his own power and his own strength, and he could. He thought he could defeat the undefeatable. So he thought he could take the crown, but. Jesus shows up on the fight scene, but Jesus wasn't what we thought he might be. He was meek, and he was mild, and he was humble. And so this contender thought that since he was meek and mild and humble, he thought that he was an easy target, that this would be an easy victory, that this was a weak opponent. And so he took this weak opponent to a criminal's cross to strike the final and the ultimate knockout punch. But the problem was that Jesus could take a punch. 
And so Jesus gets up off the canvas and, and, and by his sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection that we celebrated last week at Easter, Jesus won the unquestionable victory over the schemes and the plans of the enemy. Jesus is the undisputed champion of the world, of the universe. The outcome is not in question. He is victorious. The result has been established. Jesus counterpunches the enemy. He comes off the ropes and he strikes the knockout blow. And now the 10 count, oh, I wished I was just a little bit of Carmen. The 10 count has been, some of y'all old enough to remember him too. The, the 10 count has been issued and the, the, the one that thought he could take down the champion is now laying com completely and totally defeated and he can't make the count. But the hands of the victor are raised in triumph, but, but what you discover is, is that the victory was never in question. Long ago, Scripture says it like this, before the foundation of the world was ever laid, before what you see ever came into existence, the decision had already been made. The, the championship belt had already been draped around the, the waist of the winner. So we would say it like this. The fight was fixed. There was no question. Now, however, we are experiencing some disconcert, disconcerting and certainly some concerning tremors. It, it seems like values are shifting under our feet. Once secure territory seems to be at risk, social, political, Civil freedoms seem to be threatened. The result is that we find ourselves in unprecedented times with heightened and renewed and perhaps even some new attacks on every front. Uh, no area seems to be left unscathed. There are physical attacks. There are mental attacks. And certainly there are spiritual attacks going on, which should help us to recognize and be reminded that we are in fact still in a war zone. I, 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 are you awake this morning? We are still in a war zone. We, we should recognize that. It is, it is assumed in Scripture that those of us that call Jesus Lord, those of us that celebrate his victory, those of us that uh, would testify that he's the undisputed, unchallenged champion of the universe, Scripture would assume that we would recognize that we are still in a war. In fact, Scripture states it like this. You learned it like this. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, because in this passage it identifies clearly the opponent, and it says it like this, for we wrestle not against, with, against flesh and blood. You remember? Okay, come on, Sunday school folks. Y'all remember? Okay, let me read it to you a different way. Maybe it'll grab your attention fresh and new. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. So therefore, if we look around us and there are physical attacks and mental, mental attacks then we must also come to the conclusion because of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 that these are only the manifestation of a spiritual attack that's going on. We must come to that conclusion. 
And although we recognize we're in a fight, we also recognize this, that the war is over and victory is confirmed and sure, but there is still an abundance of subsequent attacks and skirmishes and, uh, and confrontations as a soundly and a completely de defeated uh, challenger tries to inflict as much damage as he can while he's on his way to eternal punishment. And so it is for that reason that I must come to this place on a Sunday morning in May. Is this May? This is April. <laughs> I'm way ahead. I'll come back and do this again in May. I got to come to this place in April on a Sunday morning where I challenge you. This is going to be one of those challenging messages. I, I need to challenge you that that. I recognize that today the fight is fixed, but the fight is fixed, but we must fix the fight. I, I want to draw your attention back to a passage of scripture that I know uh, that you know. It's one of the most famous accounts in all of the Bible. But I want us to look at it with fresh eyes. I want us to hone in on a missed or perhaps under-scrutinized aspect of this account because we have got to fix the fight in us. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 22. We're going to read verse 22 through 24, then verse 29, and, or 28, then verse 29. It simply says this, David left his things with the keeper of the supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, see, I knew you knew it. The Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance and David heard it and whenever the Israelites saw the man they fled from him in great fear when Eliab David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men he burned with anger at him and asked why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness ever have anybody talk to you why are you down here with your little self he's downplaying he says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And then verse 29, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? I need you to go back to this account for just a moment. And I want us to scrutinize it just for a second because I need you to understand that you never win a fight if you won't get in one. I need you to go back and think about this account and look and discover that God was willing to intervene. God was willing to step in so that the Israelites could defeat the Philistines. But I also need you to understand and look once again and recognize that God did not intervene. Until someone was willing to step up and fight. I need you to recognize that day after day, week after week, these so-called mighty men, these so-called fighting men refuse to come out from the hillside and fight Goliath. And so week after week, day after day, hour after hour, every time Goliath would step out and defy them and defy God, they would slink back to their tents and refuse to fight. And so week after week, there was no divine intervention. 
There were no miracles. There were no supernatural occasions in that midst until a little shepherd boy showed up on the scene, had had all he could take till he could take no more, and he walks out and decides, I will fight. And in that moment, God intervenes. In that moment, there's a miracle. In that moment, there's a manifestation of God's power. Could I submit to you this morning that I need to assure you that, that God is willing to intervene on your behalf? Can I just reassure you this morning, if you don't hear much from me, hear this this morning. God is willing to intervene into your situation. God is willing to work a miracle in your mess. God is willing to, to interrupt the natural with the supernatural. God is willing to take on the things that you don't think you can defeat on your own. But God will not intervene if you don't get into the fight. He won't defend you if you won't provoke an attack. The truth is, is that many of us are laying down. Per perhaps we need to be reminded that the primary purpose of the Old Testament accounts, all these, have you, have you read the Old Testament lady, lately? I mean, it's kind of, it, it can get, kind of get gory and a little bit, oh man, there's a lot of blood and it's kind of, it's kind of vicious. Go in and kill all the men and women. Go in and kill all the kids. Go in and slay everything. There are even accounts like this when David coming against Goliath. Think about the story. We've made it Sunday school clean. He throws a rock, hits him in the head, and we want to stop right there. It didn't stop right there. David goes and gets the sword and he stands over him. Goliath's sword stands over him and severs his head and walks back into the... It's gory. Right? But, but, but can I tell you this morning that the primary purpose of these, these records is not so that we'll get distracted by blood. It's not so we'll get distracted by gore. It's not so that we'll get caught up in the slaughter. But rather that they are trying to remind us. They are there for, to, to show us that, that, that there is a fight in us. Can, can I tell you that they're, they're there to teach us that God's people are people who battle. We are warriors. We are, we are like David who said, my hands are trained for war. We, 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 we are people that are supposed to rise up and take territory and win victories and establish boundaries. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are fighting men and women. And here's the truth. I need you to understand that we are not battling for victory. We are battling from victory. Can I tell you that the primary purpose of the church is not just to teach us to give and it's not just to teach us to serve, but rather the primary purpose of the church is to teach us and to motivate us to fight for what is ours. If joy is ours, then we should fight for it. If peace is our inheritance, then we should fight for it. If, if healing is ours, then we should fight for it. If victory is ours, then we should stand up and fight for it. We, we, we we must, we must fight for this stuff. Faith shows up and is revealed in our fight. Lack of faith results in lack of fight. All the promises of God are occupied by opponents. We are fighting people. 
Come on, I'm trying to fix the fight in you this morning. We are warriors. We, we are people of war. This is not a rest home. Some of y'all keep walking in here week after week like this is your retirement center. I just came in here to relax till Jesus comes. This is not a rest home. This is a barrack for soldiers that are willing to stand up and go to war for what's ours. So, so, let me, so let me challenge you with the question that Joshua challenged the children of Israel with when they were facing these, these overwhelming opponents as they were about to enter the promised land. In Joshua chapter 18, verse 3, he stands up and he says to them, How long will you avoid going to take over the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? How long will you lay out of the fight? How long will you refuse to step in? How long will you give up? How long will you refuse to throw a punch? How long? are you going to tuck tail and run? How long are you going to hide in your tent? How long? How long? Or maybe I should challenge you with this, the same challenge that David challenged his fellow churchgoers with when he rises up as probably a 12 or a 13 year old boy in the midst of a bunch of mighty men all arrayed with their swords and their spears that they refuse to use. And he looks at them and he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Isn't there a cause to believe this morning? Isn't, isn't there a cause to have faith in this morning? Isn't there a cause to try this morning? Isn't there a cause to reach out this morning? Isn't there a cause to worship this morning? Isn't there a cause to gather this morning? Come on, fix the fight in you. Isn't there a cause? Fight for your kids. Fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your worship. Fight for your church. Fight for your healing. Fight for souls. Somebody get the fight fixed in you this morning. You've been laying down so long. You need to understand that the enemy will not just willingly give up territory. The enemy isn't going to just get bored and leave. In fact, what he will do is he will do what he did on that day. He will send a challenge. Send somebody out. Our problem is nobody wants to go out. We want everybody else to go out but us. I'll play it safe. I'll let somebody else that's prayed up, that's fasted up, that's worshiped up, that's, that's worded up, go out and fight my battles for me and then I'll just show up and reap the benefit. No, 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 no. The enemy will show up again and again and again. The reason the same enemy's been showing up in your life year after year, oh, decade after decade, is he's waiting on you to come out. And you've got a decision this morning. Will you walk out to fight or you, will you walk out of the fight? Paul challenges uh, his spiritual son Timothy and I challenge you with the same thing he said this morning. He said, wherefore I put there in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. I challenge you like Jude challenged the church when he said this, Dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write you about our amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt that need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. For God, through the apostles, has once and for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. What are they saying? What was Paul saying? What was Jude saying? He's saying, fix the fight. He's saying, he's saying you're, you're trained for battle. There's a gift in you. Stir it up. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Stir it up. 
If God hasn't given you the spirit of timidity, stir it up. Jude is saying, listen, God is expecting you to contend and defend the, these, these truths that he's given to us. He's telling us to fight. Fight for these things. Quit shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is staying on the sidelines, wasting all of your energy and on, on things that don't matter that distract us and get us to throw punches that never do any damage to the kingdom of darkness. Quit shadow boxing. We must fix the fight. You won't win until you get in. Get in it. You are in a fight. This is a war. The victory is sure, but there's still battles to be won. Still territory to be taken, souls to be won, family members to be rescued, people to be restored. Mike Tyson famously and correctly said this one time. It's one of his greatest quotes. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I declare to you this morning that we've been punched in the mouth. Now what? What's your plan? Uh, it may have been a sucker punch. Maybe you didn't expect it. Maybe if we're honest this morning, we could admit that we had grown apathetic. Maybe we dropped our guard. Maybe we believed that nothing would upset our apple cart. Our life was comfortable. Our life was perfect. Our world was like we wanted. And out of nowhere, we get hit in the mouth. Now what? The question is this. Do you have a glass chin? Some of y'all are looking at me like, what's that? It's, it's, a, it's a fighter that can't take a punch. They, they just get brushed on the chin. They drop like a, a ton of bricks. Do you have a glass chin? Uh, too many of us are too easy to knock out. We've been trained. We've been prepared. We've been gifted. And yet the enemy can throw just the slightest punch and we go down and refuse to get back up. We've got a decision to make. Are we going to take it? Are we going to stay on the canvas? Are we going to throw in the towel? Or are, are, are we going to be like the people in the book of Ezra? You remember the story that people were tasked with rebuilding the house of God and after it had been demolished by an attack of the enemy? Come on now, do your Bible's work. Go back and read the book of Ezra. The enemy had destroyed everything and now the people are called to, to the task of rebuilding everything the enemy has destroyed. And do you remember what happened? The people lay a brand new foundation and then their adversaries oppressed them. You, what, do you think the enemy was going to let you get a victory that easy? Did you think you were going to walk into your promised land that easy? Did you think you were going to get your, 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 all the stuff God promised you that easy without the enemy doing anything? And, and in the book of Ezra, it says that the adversary oppressed them. So this is what happened. The people fold. Go back and read your Bible. They quit. They, they quit work. And for the next 25 years, Not another stone, not another brick was placed for 25 years. 
25 years of quit. 25 years of defeat. 25 years of apathy. 25 years of nothing, 25 years of yawning, 25 years of accepting, 25 years of no growth, 25 years of no healings, 25 years of no salvations, 25 years of no impact, 25 years of no restoration to the city around us, 25 years of your family members still being lost, 25 years of of your loved ones being lost, 25 years of nothing. We are tasked with repopulating the house and the kingdom of God. And in 1 Samuel, God raises up a little shepherd boy by the name of David. But in Ezra, he raises up two prophets who boldly declared the word of the Lord. And these prophets fixed the fight in the people. The people were spiritually awakened. That word sounds familiar this morning. Come awaken your people. He's never going to awaken our city until he first awakens his people. The people were spiritually awakened and so they finished the work and I just want to tell you in 2021 that God is raising up the people of passion as prophets. People who will declare not on my watch. People who will declare that I'm willing to stand and fight when others give up. When others would throw in the towel, the people of passion walk into the fight. When others lay down and give up and say it can't happen, we show up to fight. When others won't serve, we strap on a towel and we serve. When others want to tuck tail and run, we run to the battle instead of away from the battle. When others would reject and give up on men that are addicted to alcohol and drugs, we go, "Uh uh-uh, we will build a hope center so those that have been forgotten and forsaken can be restored and find hope again. We will be the people when others say they can't can't come through. They're never gonna come through. They'll always be like this. We stand up and say, not on our watch. Not for 25 more years. No, they won't. This is our territory. This is our boundary. We take back what the enemy stole from us because we are people who know how to strike back and we are people with a fight that is fixed. Can I get anybody in the house this morning that's willing to quit laying down for this scumbag, the enemy, and step up and say, I'm willing to go to battle. My question for you this morning is, who's keeping you out of the fight? And more importantly, there's another question you must ask this morning. Why? I want you to go back and think about it. David's own brother, David's family, David's support system, David's blood ties try to talk him into submission. David's own brother tries to get him to settle into the defeat that he was comfortable in. I have a question. Who's trying to keep you out of taking a stand? They'll ask you questions like this. Who are you? Look at how insignificant you are. What difference can you make? You're a nobody. It's too far gone. How are you going to make any difference today? Society's so far on its way to hell, you'll never be able to turn anybody back. They'll say things to you like, you're a nothing. You're too old. Come on, I talk, I'm talking to some folks. 
I got to bump the age up because I'm getting older. I, I'm talking to some folks that are over 65 that, are, that have kind of coast, they're coasting now because I did ministry. I did my part. I, I, I paved the ways. I prayed the prayers. I sang the songs. I preached the messages. I won the souls. Come on. Come on. You're, you're, the, the enemy will try to get you to stay out of the fight by think, telling you you're too old. He'll also work on our young folks and say, you're too young. You haven't proven yourself yet. Nobody's going to listen to you. You haven't fought any giants yet. You don't have a degree yet. You don't have a house yet. You don't have bills yet, thank Jesus. You, you, know, you don't have none of this stuff. Nobody's going to listen to you. You're too young. Why? Why? You ought to ask why. Why is he asking or saying those things? You're too unworthy. You're too untalented. He, he'll, he'll, try to, he'll begin to question your motives. You're just proud. You're just trying to make a name for yourself. You just went on the stage. You're just glory seeking. If they can't silence you, they will sideline you. Keep you from coming out of the corner by questioning you until you begin to question yourself. There is a question that must be asked this morning. It's not just who's keeping you out of the fight. It's why. Maybe it's because misery loves company. Maybe they don't want you to come out and fight because if you come out and fight, it will expose the fact that they're still in bondage. Maybe if you show up ready to fight, it would cause them to, to, to force them to come to grips with their own chains or could. Or could, can I submit to you just an idea based out of Ephesians chapter 6? Could it be that the spirits we are wrestling with realize that if you ever get your dander up, that's for the old folks in the room because some of y'all don't have a clue. It's an old saying, if you would ever get your dander up, they would be doomed. Could it, could it be that, that those spirits that are working behind and, and in and through, could it be that those spirits know that if you ever get fighting mad, then they don't have a fighting chance? Could it, could it be that those spirits know that if you ever step up, then they are going to have to step off? Could, 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 it, could it be that maybe, just maybe, they are working overtime to intimidate you and silence you and sideline you? Because if you ever fix the fight in you, they would recognize, they already know the fight is fixed. Uh, the only problem, the only thing that keeps them from winning the battle, and not the war, because the war's been decided, but the only thing that keeps them from winning a, a sporadic victory, the only thing that allows them to keep their chains intact on the hearts and lives of people, the only thing that allows addictions to remain, the only thing that breaks up relationships that shouldn't be broken, the only thing that keeps us sick when we shouldn't be sick, the only thing that's keeping you from being able to sleep at night is this. They, they know the fight has already been fixed. The only thing that's keeping them from, from tuck and tell and run and accepting their defeat is this. They're waiting on us to get the fight fixed in us. Some of you, the fight is broken in you. For some of you, the fight is 
gone from you. For, for some of you you've, you, you've, you've struggled so long, you've prayed for so long that now you've about given up and I'm just, I just stopped by. I didn't come here for any other reason this morning than to encourage you to fix the fight. Fix the fight in you. Raise up again. Ra- rise up again. Believe again. Believe again. Pray again. Preach again. Worship again until you fix. I need somebody. I just need somebody in the house to let their objections and their belittling statements fuel your fight. I I, I need someone to prove the doctor wrong. I I, I need somebody to rise up and prove the banker wrong. I I need someone to to, to prove their ex wrong. I I need somebody to prove the teacher wrong that said you would never amount to anything. I need somebody to preach, to to teach the counselor that said to you, you're never going to get over this. You're never going to be free. You're never going to break this addiction. I need somebody to rise up and prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Fix the fight. Fix the fight. Fix the fight. Fix. I need you to prove the devil's words over your life wrong. And the spirit that's working behind them. My prayer this morning is simple. God, fix the fight in us. We've been punched in the mouth. But we have a plan. I got a plan. My plan is the plan of David when, when he'd been punched in the mouth. He, he, he pulls himself off to the side and he encourages himself in the Lord. What do y'all think he was doing? Playing tiddlywinks? He was over there. He was over there fixing the fight going, wait a minute. I know God. I, I, fought, a, I fought a bear and I, and I, and I fought a, a lion. And you, you know what? I can still remember. There was this big dude that walked out and challenged me and told me I was a nobody and a nothing. And all of the, I remember, I, I encourage myself in the Lord. I don't have to stand here and take this. Defeat. I don't have to stand here and take this this destruction in my life. He, I need somebody to rise up and go back to where Gideon was at the wine press, going, "I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing." But God says, "You're a mighty man of God. Your hands have been trained for battle. I've chosen you. I've picked you. I need somebody that will get themselves off in a garden somewhere, like Jesus, when He said, "Not your will, but but not my will, but yours." I don't want to do this, but but I'll do it because I recognize there's a fight in me. I need some. Somebody that was in the fight that got out of the fight to get back in the fight because God is waiting on you we're waiting on you and we as a body will never see the victory that God has for this congregation until we're ready to fight we'll, you can come in here and get all your worship on get all your praise on get your word fixed but until, until the day I'm telling you, until the day comes that as a corporate body, we're willing to strap on our sword and hold up movers cards and quit playing, playing and quit praying wimpy prayers. I hear some of the wimpiest prayers out of this congregation when we're praying for our movers. That ought to be like a war cry. We walk in here I'm telling you, our level of worship needs to go on up. I can't be the only one jumping. I got bad knees. I'm about ready to throw, throw a hip out and it ain't even mine. Why are you sitting on your hands? 
Where's your worship? That, you know why we do that? Because it establishes, we're going to talk more about this next week, it establishes in us the fight. It reminds us that God's already come through, that the victory's already been won, so that we walk out of here and go, oh, boy, they've sang some nice songs this morning. Boy, that was great. Did you hear that guitar on that one? Ooh, that drum riff was great. Woo-wee, that was awesome. No, we walk out of here and go, devil, you don't even understand. You better not jack with me today because I will kick your tail. And yet we come in week after week and we yawn. They didn't sing my song. Can, can I tell you what is said about our worship? Can I, I didn't plan on going here. I'm out of my notes now. Can I tell you what's said about our, our church? Uh, can I just be honest? I'm, when you're not in the room, other people that visit our church that know walk in and say, this is the best praise and worship they hear anywhere. That this praise and worship rivals any in the country then what's our problem here's the deal I'm not telling you we ought to worship different because we have a good worship team because we're not worshiping them I'm saying our level of our worship should go up simply because they're leading us so excellently in the presence of the most excellent and there, there ought to be a worship rise up in us and we ought to be fight, y'all. What are you waiting on? How long will you wait before you go take what God's already said He's given you? I better pray because I'm about to go off. just always be like, no, you won't. I'm always going to be broke. No, you won't. You will if you keep doing what you've been doing. I'll always be sick. You will unless you change what you need to change. I won't ever have any friends. No, you probably won't unless you change. Fix the fight. The fight is fixed. Fix the fight. I'm standing up here like the prophets of Ezra saying to you, come on. It's been long enough. We've been this size long enough. We see too few people getting saved on a regular Sunday basis long enough. So quit, quit inviting your church friends. They're already saved. Do I have anybody in the house that feels like a warrior this morning? Father, this morning I pray that you would do what It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 